To begin with, I would like to invite the Polish ambassador, Maciej Rutschein, to give our opening speech and kickoff of the conference. Welcome to the stage, Maciej. Dame a pani, szanowni państwo, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Uh, it's a great honor and a great pleasure to speak at the opening of uh, FinWeek conference. And I'm very happy that uh, Polish Embassy in Bratislava is one of the major partners uh, of this uh, important event. Uh, as probably the majority of the population, uh, I'm just a consumer of financial services uh, and not pretending to be an expert in any way uh, in this area. Uh, but I do acknowledge that uh, from the perspective of ordinary customer, uh, ordinary user of those services, they affect my everyday life today. Uh, and when I looked at the agenda of, of the FinWeek, uh, I realized that uh, what are you going to talk about will affect my life and the lives of any other ordinary customers uh, tomorrow. Again, speaking from the perspective of the ordinary user of those uh, services, uh, I must say that there is a big let's say, geographical uh, change happening. Uh, we, Central Europeans, no longer need to travel west uh, in order to discover uh, new, new services and new technologies uh, connected to financial services. But I would say that, from my perspective, our region is now uh, leading, actually, or showing the way uh, for the others. Uh, from the perspective of Poland, uh, Polish fintech industry is developing very dynamically in the recent years. Uh, over the past five years, the number of fintech companies in Poland has more than doubled, uh, from around 160 in 2018 to more than 350 uh, in uh, 2023. Of course, there are several factors behind this growth. Uh, first of them being, of course, the overall excellent performance of uh, Polish economy in recent years. Uh, there is, of course, the increasing demand for uh, technology-enabled financial services, also accelerated by the uh, COVID pandemic and the change of the uh, customer's behavior uh, forced by the pandemic. Uh, and last but not least, uh, there is a large number of highly skilled experts and technical university graduates that make this change and these innovations uh, possible in Poland. Uh, I will talk about this in briefly tomorrow during a networking meeting for uh, Polish and Slovak fintechs. Uh, for those who are interested in, in, in the Polish fintech sector in, uh, in more detail, I highly recommend uh, a report entitled How to do fintech in Poland uh, by Fintech Poland uh, Think Tank. It's a very interesting read. With all this being said, it's small wonder that there is a very uh, substantial Polish participation in this event. Uh, as far as I know, there are more than 10 uh, Polish uh, fintech companies taking part in, uh, in Finwick Bratislava, which clearly indicates that the successful cooperation between Poland and Slovakia 
take place not only in this kind of traditional sectors like uh, transportation or trade, uh, but also in an innovative sector with uh, high added value. Ending uh, on a more personal note, uh, it's actually my first public appearance here in, in, in Bratislava in the new role as the Polish ambassador. And I think it's a good uh, place to start my mission among so many creative uh, people that will shape my and our uh, tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Ambassador. Now I would like to invite the first panel for the panel discussion, for the panel discussion, the current state of the digital euro in the European Union, legislation, concerns, and benefits. The panel members are, in no specific order, Dusan Jurczak, Aniko Sombati, CDO, Executive Director for Digitalization Fintech Development. Dusan Jurczak is a member of MBS Bank Council. Jonas Gross from Germany will join us online. He's a chairman of the Digital Euro Association. Peter Palos, head of the financial department in the representation of Slovakia in the European Union, will also join us online. Vladimir Vanya, Chief Economist of Globsec. Welcome all panelists. The first question for today's panel discussion is a very broad question, and I will give that question to all our three speakers to hear their opinion and their thoughts. Do we need a digital euro? <laughs> we will start from the left, from my left side. So please, Dusan Jurczak, representing NBS, the National Bank, do we need a digital euro? Good morning. Thanks a lot for the invitation for this conference. Uh, as a representative of the National Bank and uh, as the Euro system as well, I, I, I will try to, to answer your question from different point of view. Do we need digital euros? Uh, if, we, if, uh, if you think the central banks, of course we need it. Uh, if, you, if you think the citizens of uh, European uh, Union or the Eurozone, I am I, sure that uh, the citizens uh, need it. If, if you think the merchants or intermediaries, I am sure that they will appreciate it in the nearby future because uh, they ha the, the project has, uh, has uh, several, several advantages. Um, as, it is, as it is explained, as, as uh, you will hear it in, in, uh, in the uh, next, next weeks and months, uh, there are uh, three, three answers to the why. The first one is the natural development. The natural development of the means of payment, payments, uh, um, development of the payment services. Uh, everything is going more and more digital. The, the, the classical cash is, is um, going out. Um, less and less people, especially the young people, are using the cash. And uh, the cash is the 
important uh, monetary anchor for, for the central banks in the banking system. We can't simply see that the, the cash is uh, going out, that the Bitcoin, stablecoins, uh, private uh, digital currencies are, are coming in. That's not only opinion of the euro system, that's the opinion of the central banks uh, worldwide. Uh, I, uh, I remember some, some figures uh, I've read recently, uh, 86, I think 86% of the central banks in, in the world are investigating or, or preparing the CBDCs, uh, digital currencies issued by the central banks. So, first question, the, the natural devel development, uh, the, the cash or the, the currencies are going more and more digital and uh, we as the central banks uh, are obliged to offer some, uh, some digital form of, of uh, the banknotes or coins you are using today. Uh, as one of the slogans uh, I, I've uh, heard uh, recently, it was said that uh, Digital or physical, it's still the same euro. You will hear it uh, more times in ongoing, ongoing weeks and, and months. And uh, when, I, when I thought about it, um, I found an example comparable with uh, something we, we use every day. They are the watches. Uh, 30 years ago, we had the watches with arms. Uh, and now we mostly have the digital watches but the time remained the same. And that will be the same with the, with the euros. Digital or physical, it will be the same euros. We will not replace the, the banknotes and coins. We will add uh, another form. The, the second, uh, second why, to be, to, be, to be short in this first, uh, first answer, um, make, make the life uh, much easier, much easier for the citizens. Because uh, today, when you are, when you are uh, entering the restaurant, uh, most of you are uh, looking at the door, which credit card they accept? <laughs> do they accept uh, cash? Uh, how do, uh, high uh, would they like uh, I, I will pay? Uh, with, uh, with, uh, after several years, when the digital euro will, will function, it will be the legal tender. It will be accepted everywhere where you pay, uh, where you pay with uh, cards or other means of payments, or where you pay with with cash, you will no more the, um, put put uh, yourself the question which uh, kind of payment uh, you, you you will use. Uh, the the last the last which is uh, not the question of the citizens but uh, perhaps the question of the central banks. Uh, <clears throat> the third reason increase the resilience of the payments uh, environment in, in Europe. Uh, just now, the, the biggest payment schemes are, are offered by non-European providers. And uh, the decision makers on the level of uh, Central Bank and uh, uh, European Committee, uh, they are of the opinion that we have to increase the resilience of the, of the European uh, payment environment. We would like to have some scheme which is really uh, European and it's uh, run by, by, by uh, European uh, uh, authorities. Thank you for a very good introduction to the digital euro. The word goes, goes to Anik.
Aniko Sombati. Uh, thank you very much and uh, welcome everyone. So I'm from Hungary and uh, I would like to represent a little bit different uh, view uh, from what you have heard. So first of all, of course, uh, the central bank digital currencies are the future form of money. So we, we can say that, that uh, maybe across approximately 10 to 15 years, we will have digital currencies. The question is uh, what type of digital currencies do we have? And in this regard, uh, the question is, do we really need, or do you really need the digital euro in, in that form that it is uh, proposed by the European uh, Commission today? So in Hungary, we started to explore the issue several years back and uh, implemented a design framework uh, consisting of seven steps. And our first uh, step is, is the question, what is it for? What is the main motivation for, uh, for a digital, central bank digital currency? Is there any serious market failure that the market participants cannot resolve? Or is there any really serious policy objective from the central bank or from the government's point of view that would legitimate such an intervention to the already working uh, market environment to uh, introduce a somewhat competitive product compared to the present uh, market uh, situation? And here we really need an honest answer to this question because this uh, answer will drive the whole decision on what form, who to participate with, what kind of properties uh, this uh, digital money will have. So <clears throat> in, in this regard, uh, uh, we have heard some examples already why uh, the digital euro could be beneficial so that it could protect the monetary sovereignty of the eurozone. But do the, streets, do the people on the streets really realize that their monetary sovereignty is at, at threat for the moment? So will they change for the uh, very well-known, trustable form of payment, which is already quite widespread here in, in Bratislava as well, the card payment, the instant payment? So will they change for something new, something uh, un tested uh, just because they are told that the monetary sovereignty is a danger. So uh, back in, in Hungary, we are not only dealing with the uh, digital currency issues, but of course we are uh, dealing with the fintechs and promoting them and uh, have uh, an everyday conversation. And we, we try to be very practical on, on uh, discovering uh, if and when we are designing a central bank currency, how the adoption will be driven uh, by everyday people. And if, if we want uh, to uh, inter introduce some differentiator compared to uh, what uh, people already have, then we, do, we are convinced that we have to provide additional incentives for the usage. So we actually in Hungary already have a central bank digital currency uh, operational since May this year. It's a pilot project. Maybe in the later round, I will talk a little bit uh, more on that. Thank you. Thank you, Aniko. 
Now it's Vladimir Vanyu's turn. To steer the debate a little bit, because my colleagues from the central banks are logically restraining what they uh, can and cannot say. So, Johan, I heard that you really love your bank, right? Uh, no. You adore it? Uh, no. <laughs> so, now imagine, but, but still, you like to do transactions in digital form. Definitely, yes. Which, at the moment, to do your transactions in digital form, you need your bank account, you need your payment provider, now, fancy this. Fancy you could do all your digital transactions leaving out your bank. Okay, and... And, and, and that's, that's digital euro. Okay. To, to, make, to, to, to make it short. So, uh, when there is this popular debate, we must preserve the right of uh, consumers to use the, the, the cash. Because uh, there's this popular saying, oh, when you pay in cash, it's, you know, the, the banknote stays the whole. You don't pay the fraction of the fee for the payment providers, for the ba bank fees, etc., etc., etc. So w w what digital euro is, digital euro turns the banknotes into a digital payment, uh, which uh, literally, and that's a little dirty secret of this whole project, could obliviate the banks. The, the banks will need to find a value added other than just providing the, the means of means means of payment. So that's it. And to, to your initial question, do we need it? Um, very simple philosophical answer is uh, no. We don't need to adapt because survival is not mandatory. By which I mean uh, back in October 2009, we overlooked, we all overlooked it because uh, uh, autumn 2009, that was the beginning of the, what we then thought was the biggest post-war uh, financial crisis. In October 2009, there was a, a tiny academic paper published. There are dozens of academic papers published uh, every week. Um, and that uh, paper was called The Concept of the Blockchain. 2009. The rest is history. I always like to show that between 2009 and 2019, from that uh, paper, it became academic journal. The, the, the idea got its own academic journal within a decade. So back to what, what Mr. Juczak has said, not only we need, we are obliged to adapt to, to the changes, the changes are happening at an accelerated uh, rate. Uh, so the way I, I see, not only digital euros, but also the other uh, central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, uh, is basically uh, a legitimate answer of a regulated legal tender issuer uh, to this, uh, this whole uh, blockchain technology. So uh, very, very, very briefly, um, I actually think uh, this, is, this is something that you, you will not hear. Uh, for, for example, the omnipresent payment providers are really hate digital euro, and they would, they would do whatever possible to delay its introduction because, because that will basically put a significant strain on them. And in that regards, I mean, we got to keep our fingers crossed for the ECB and Madhya Nemzati Bank and other, all the central banks in principle are 
are experimenting with this because it's the next big thing. Thank you, Vladimir. Uh, obviously, as you say, it is a challenge for the commercial banks if uh, what they earn from transactions will disappear. It's a challenge, as uh, Dushan told me before we started, it will affect their balance sheets. There's no doubt about it. We cannot forget our speakers are online. I would like to invite first Peter Palos, head of the financial department in the representation of Slovakia in the European Union. So. I will try. Thank you very much again, Johan, and thanks also Finvik for the invitation. It's really a privilege to be part of this panel. I will uh, focus uh, in my introduction on political dimension and uh, consideration of the digital euro, so the regulatory perspective. And if I uh, may, I will guide you through uh, four messages. Firstly, acceptance and awareness. Secondly, open strategic autonomy. Thirdly, inclusiveness. And last but not least, financial stability. And I will firstly start with acceptance and awareness. And I will use a quote said by Jeremy uh, Pavel, chair of the Fed in 2021, when he was asked about the CBDC. And he said that it's better to do it right than, do, than to do it fast. And I think this is still very much valid uh, because for the success of the Digital Euro project, uh, broad acceptance of general public is needed. And in this regard, uh, especially in uh, Slovakia, we are uh, facing quite huge challenge. And I will use one example. Last year, the Commission has conducted a consultation and they have received 20,000 uh, comments and 6,000 from, the, from these 20,000 comments were uh, coming from Slovakia. And mostly they were very negative. There was much misunderstanding and even uh, some conspiration around it. So I think uh, communication, uh, communication in these regards is very much needed. And what is also very much needed is uh, a democratic and very transparent process. And from this perspective, two very important uh, uh, milestones have been done this year. Firstly, just last week, uh, the ECB has uh, concluded its investiga investigation phase and launched a preparatory phase uh, for the digital euro, uh, which will take at least uh, two years. And secondly, the Commission has proposed in June this year a single currency package there are two uh, important regulations. One, the legal framework for the euro, and second, the legal tender of euro cash. These are ordinary legislative procedures, so there are ongoing discussion in the Council between the member states and also within the, uh, the, the European, uh, European Parliament. And this will also, in my view, take at least two years for negotiation. And I think this, this process is really needed, needed to, to achieve understanding uh, understanding and to achieve also acceptance of the of the of the public secondly on open strategic autonomy and this is in my view about uh, two elements firstly about competitiveness and secondly about geopolitics regarding competitiveness uh, uh, we can follow that more than 85 percent of uh, jurisdiction are currently investigate investigating the possibility 
to launch or to introduce CBDC. Uh, and this is especially as the digital currency can be a driver for further growth and also for innovation, as it can help uh, to have more effective payment system, which will be cheaper, faster, and easier. And in the case of Euro, it can even underpin its international role. And on geopolitics, all of us uh, follow the, uh, the news. And when it's come to, to Europe, it's important or the ambition is to overcome our reliance on private solution from third countries. So currently in Europe, more than 70% of European card payment transactions are done by a third, third country payment systems. Thirdly, on the inclusiveness, uh, what we are currently faces is, uh, facing is limited access uh, to cash and it's reduced used uh, as what we can follow are closure of ATMs, even bank branches. So the intention of the digital uh, euro would be also to increase access to central, central bank money, uh, which will be available to all citizens and businesses and even uh, 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 with the possibility to, to, to provide offline payments. And the second aspect, it's about interoperability. So to establish a single standard for all, uh, all banks, so to establish a universal means of payments, as we are facing Europe, a very fragmented infrastructure, as there is no unique digital uh, payment method widely accepted, uh, accepted across the Euro area. And last but not least, about financial stability, and it was already it was already mentioned, uh, digital euro is also about uh, monetary sovereignty. It's the intention is to preserve the role of central bank money, to preserve the control over money supply, and it's also about uh, it's also the intention is to preserve the role of commercial uh, banks, which are mainly uh, funded by deposit. Therefore. The intention when we are speaking about digital euro is to establish so-called holding limits and also the digital euro should be seen as a mean of payment not investment so no interest proceeds uh, will follow from uh, holding digital euro and, and let me finish but by one very provocative quote when Elon Musk uh, was asked this year if he had concern uh, about plans to move to CBDC or to digital currency and the Twitter and Tesla CEO said, I don't think they know what they are talking about. So let's show that we know what we are talking about. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Now, last but not least, we would like to invite Jonas Gross, chairman of the Digital Euro Association. You will also be able to give your opening statement and then we'll move on to the second part of the panel discussion with short uh, statements and quick answers. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So I changed my audio setting and increased the, um, yeah, the, the mic. So from my side, I hope you can understand me very well. Thanks again for having me. Unfortunately, I was not able to make it to Bratislava. I hope so to join next, next year. And you will also, I think, hear now a few aspects um, which differ also from the previous uh, previous panelists. So I totally agree that what is needed is a payment system that is, you know, makes Europe more autonomous. So the topic of strategic autonomy is, I think, very, very important. It's also important to have a payment system that is resilient. So that's kind of the two key goals also the ECB has in mind for the digital euro. So I think that's 
super, super, super important topics to focus on. Um, and if you ask me, you know, the question, does it need such payment infrastructures? I would say yes, of course. Um, however, I think what is currently not not that heavily debated is also the potential alternatives, because we do see that there are countries, for example, like Brazil with their PIC system, where they established just, you know, a different form of payment system without a different form of payment unit. Right. So it's just um, an, an in improved infrastructure for payments um, and not just about a new currency unit itself. And I think that's very intriguing, at least to look at and to consider it uh, as alternatives, because this topic is, from my perspective, not really, um, you know, not really debated a lot. Nevertheless, if there is the conclusion that a CBDC can address this better, as I said, I think from a central bank and public sector um, perspective this is this is uh, the way to go however where i'm a little bit skeptical currently is just uh, the interest of the end user right because we do see in europe that there are very efficient payment systems the people that like privacy they can basically pay with cash the people that like convenience can pay with you know with apple pay with credit cards so it's a pretty good and pretty efficient payment market and i think what it really needs also for the digital euro is very very strong value propositions for the customers so that they really download you know the new uh, ecb app then or also use the digital euro within their existing payment rails um, and a few advantages for example that can be reached is a very high degree of privacy right because we don't have a a high degree of privacy today in the digital world, which is comparable to cash. And the European Commission and the ECB also want to go into this direction, which I highly appreciate. However, what we also do see is that on this privacy preserving form of payment, there might be limits, which could be, or there will be limits, and these limits can be very small. So what I'm not saying is, is, is not, well, I'm not saying that limits shouldn't be um, cons considered around the digital euro, but I would also say it's important that there is a trade-off between limits on payments and also the user, because a limit obviously also brings down um, the, the use of the digital euro. So I think um, that's what, what I personally would have expected after leaving the investigation phase um, from the ECB to be clearer on this value proposition for customers. Nevertheless, of course, seeing the benefits a CBDC can bring for the public sector around geopolitics, about resilience, and looking forward now to the continued discussions with other great experts on the panel. Thank you very much, Jonas. Now we go to the second part of the panel discussion. Everybody had a chance to give their opening statement on the digital euro. Now we'll try to keep it with a little bit shorter and, and, and quick answers. We get some debate here on the stage as well as online. Uh, if we're looking at digital currency in general and central bank digital currency, what can uh, the European Central Bank learn from the countries that are ahead of us in this development here? Or are they actually ahead of us here? So that's a kind of a controversial question. I will, of course, give that opening question to Dusan. What we, will have, uh, what we had, had learned from other countries? Uh, it's, a, it's a hard question because uh, we, we are not comparable with, uh, with all the other countries. We can't compare the Eurozone with, uh, for example, uh, not to be taken bad, with Bahamas, uh, which uh, <laughs> investigates the, the digital currency. This is completely other project. We are one of the leading um, group of countries in the world. The, the Euro is uh, thought as well as, as, as one of the most important uh, currencies. 
and we can't uh, um, make the pilot projects uh, like in, in, in small island country. Um, perhaps uh, uh, I'm, I'm not, not very skilled or not, will, not uh, really expert in, in, in comparing with the existing uh, uh, CBDCs in, in other countries. I would not like to, to compare it, not to, not to be uh, unjust uh, and where, uh, where, 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 where the other countries. Anyway, uh, what, uh, what uh, I heard several times, uh, um, the world uh, privacy and anonymity. I, I uh, have to repeat, I, I will repeat it uh, many times, the privacy was uh, emphasized uh, during all the discussions about the uh, proposal of the digital euros, uh, even uh, it was uh, discussed, it was uh, always uh, first uh, remark uh, during the last uh, governing council, which, decide, uh, which uh, decided to move to the next, uh, next uh, phase of, of the project. It happened the 18th of October, uh, it took in, uh, it approved the results of the investigation phase and moved the project to the so-called first preparation phase. Uh, during this first preparation phase, we will, uh, we will make uh, many, many um, examinations in a much more practical way. And uh, we will perhaps uh, solve some, some still open question, uh, technical questions. Uh, I would like to say that uh, we will not compete in the, in the area of, of technology. It's not the it's not the task, not the role of the of the of the public uh, public sector, but uh, what we can uh, offer, which uh, even Elon Musk can offer, uh, can't offer, is that uh, digital euro is a public tender, <laughs> legal tender. It's a public good. Uh, Elon Musk never creates uh, will never create something which is so safe and so uh, acceptable as, as the currency of the, of the Eurozone or, or uh, Federal Reserves. Uh, and uh, one important thing, it will be not obligatory. It will be not obligatory. It will be not obligatory. We will not change the cash. We will not change. We will not replace the other uh, means of payments. We are adding something to it. We will increase the possibility of uh, Options. What the, the citizens can can choose from the from the from the payment services. The the most safe possibility. Thank you, Jusha. The word goes to Aniko. Aniko, do you have a, a strong opinion in this question? I think. Uh, <clears throat> thank you very much. So I would like to start uh, with uh, with the statement that we have already heard that approximately 93% of the central banks worldwide are actively researching uh, the topic of central bank digital currencies. Uh, they are at different uh, stages, and only a handful of the countries or the central banks have already implemented a fully-fledged central bank digital currency. Uh, this mere fact is also also symbolizes how complex uh, this issue is and uh, how much uh, they are in the search for real use cases that 
I was referring before that why is it needed? Why why uh, the central bank has to overcome what the market already presents, either a bank or a fintech or or anyone else? So um, actually, one of the one of the uh, longest dated uh, CBDC project is going on in China, and I think we can learn a lot from the Chinese example. Uh, I'm saying uh, here that, uh, so uh, actually the Chinese government initiated the whole project because 95% of the payment transactions in China uh, are managed by two big fintechs. And the Chinese government want to have a state control, let's say a monetary sovereignty on, on the payment market with the, uh, with the fear that uh, if there is any management problem or major disruption in one of these fintechs, then the whole payment market goes bust. Uh, so they, they have been starting uh, piloting the central bank digital currency first in four main cities and then expand, expanding it to uh, 16, 20, right now it's 24 cities. And uh, what the situation is that nobody wants to use it actually. So there are some appealing numbers of uh, 100 million users and so on, but no real uh, turnover behind this because people are very f uh, familiar with the fintech-driven payment solution. They trust the they, uh, current way of digital payment they they actually feel comfortable with this and uh, the only form the central bank is able to spread the, the central bank digital currency is to give it free of charge so in the form of like red uh, envelopes uh, they are uh, uh, distributing central bank digital currency free of charge in the amount of uh, six or eight dollars uh, and this is actually the only way of popularizing the, the, uh, this kind of payment. So what uh, in Hungary we are learning from all this is that we really have to uh, identify uh, why our users would need uh, this uh, kind of payment. And right now, we have identified uh, use case, uh, the digital financial inclusion of young people, of uh, primary school year students, who, who actually already have some financial issues, but they are only reliant on cash payments because uh, legally they are not uh, uh, open uh, or not liable for managing the finances individually. So uh, we developed a mobile application and a, a whole CBDC platform behind this idea that we want to uh, provide the first digital wallet of these young children and of course their families because still the, family, the parents are legally liable for managing these digital wallets. And of course, we are offering some gamification, some quiz-based uh, quiz uh, 
a platform to learn about uh, uh, finances, savings, and uh, to manage all the, pay the payments and finances of these young children under parental control. And uh, we give uh, some uh, presents for those who are uh, solving these quizzes uh, successfully. So uh, we, we do hope that uh, we can learn a lot from this exercise. We can learn how to design a proper uh, user experience, how to design the whole process within the central bank, how to cooperate with, uh, with financial institutions, and how to uh, talk to our present and future customers. Very interesting. Vladimir, you have a comment as well. I would rephrase your uh, question. Uh, first of all, I believe that what ECB has achieved when it comes to the digital euro is uh, quite advanced. Uh, congratulations to the organizers for, of FinWeek for bringing this important topic on the radar. It's just that it hasn't been uh, that much spoken about uh, before, but for many, many years in Frankfurt, every year, uh, there are in-depth academic symposiums concerning the the CBDCs, the central bank uh, digital currencies, we don't compete against other countries or against other superpowers when it comes to the digital euro. We actually compete, what Aniko has mentioned, against the private sector. My, my mom wouldn't really use the uh, payment card, to be honest. She would go for cash. And guess what? Uh, a child born in October 2009, when the blockchain technology just was an idea, an inception, will be of legal age by the time when digital euro will possibly come into the circulation. And that, that child will not buy what we all are used to, you know, having a bank account, having a card to that bank account, and sending money through the intermediaries and through the IBANs and SWIFT codes and all this what we grew up with, that child will want to have its currency digital, but in his own wallet. And will want to transact directly with other people without the use of intermediaries. And that's something that the blockchain technology through all these private tokens, let's call them private tokens, has enabled. What, what digital euro is bringing it, the digital euro brings all the benefits of the blockchain technology with one crucial difference. It is issued by the uh, issuer of the legal tender. It's not some, uh, there are thousands of private tokens already available. Uh, it's actually an alternative. Yes, you can use this blockchain-based uh, uh, asset, let's put it this way. Uh, but it doesn't need to be issued by some kind of a strange Elon Musk or you name it. Uh, it, it can be issued by the, the, the highest, most trustworthy authority, which is a European Central Bank. Exactly. There, there we all agree that it's a central bank currency. The digital euro is no different than a paper euro or a coin euro. It's the same currency. But you, will, you, will be, you can be sure that in one year from now, when, when it will function, you will have the digital euro and uh, after one year, you can change it one-to-one -to, -one to paper money. Are you sure with the Elon Musk money? Absolutely not. That's it.
And the online panelists, anybody wants to comment on the question? Yes. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Johan. Just quickly. Uh, yes, Peter. Just quickly, I very much also agree uh, with uh, Aniko that uh, this is not about competition between public authorities, but it's a company, a competition with a private solution. And all of us can recall 2019 and the decision of Facebook to, to launch uh, Libra. And this was a wake up call. And there were very strong reactions in the in the in the union but also over the ocean in the uh, in the us because uh, we were that time unprepared secondly on the comparison i think uh, no advanced economies uh, currently ahead of, of europe and even uh, countries which were front runners like sweden have sometimes uh, 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 reduced let's say their activities especially is it's uh, for smaller economy, economy probably more costly, but what does not work in, in a small country can work properly in, 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 in the Eurozone, uh, meaning the economy of scale. And from the countries which currently have already uh, digital currency, according to my knowledge, there are 11, and indeed 10 of them are uh, Caribbean countries and uh, one is in Africa. So. Uh, just uh, to know where we are on this and last to uh, to uh, to react also to dushan uh, point on on cash i would even see think from a from a regulatory perspective that the role of cash will be strengthened and this was also the idea of the commission uh, why they have uh, proposed uh, uh, new regulation on cash legal tender so uh, regulatory or from a legislative perspective the cash will be strengthened and also the monitoring over uh, monitoring as there will be set new obligation for member state to monitor acceptance of the of the of the cash thanks thanks peter jonas you want to comment as well Yes, and I'm very, very quick because you were looking for quick answers. So two. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two quick lessons I'm seeing from current CBDC pioneers, let's call them. So we have seen, and Aniko mentioned it fully correctly, that uh, the, they were not as successful as they wanted to be, right? So um, there were higher expectations. And we have actually also seen a CBDC uh, like live 30 years ago in Finland, the Avanced system which worked for a few years and afterwards got canceled. Um, and here I have two main um, main topics to focus on. And I think what we can learn from these countries. One, it really needs all stakeholders on the table. So if you design this digital currency and if you think about use cases, value propositions, it needs the central bank, commercial banks, the industry, the end user associations, telecom companies, you know, you name it. So it really needs all the voices on the table to develop something that is and that is promising and valuable for all the different stakeholders involved. And I think that's one of the key reasons why some projects like in the Bahamas, it did not really, you know, reach the success that they wanted to wanted to reach. And the second thing, and this comes back to my introductory statement, is it really needs very strong benefits for citizens to use it. Um, because we've also seen in the Finland a case that people simply didn't use it because A, it was very complex 
B, it was very inconvenient. And C, in the end, they didn't see, you know, when credit cards came up, why to use it. So this is, again, you will hear this more and more from me today, why we need this very strong value propositions for end users, because they are ultimately the users driving the adoption. And this is why they should definitely not be left out and should be also included in the process of designing such a CBDC. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jonas. Uh, we also received lots of questions uh, through Slider from the audience, but I have one more question I want to bring up with the panel before we take some audience questions. Uh, what is the risk of a digital euro being dead on arrival because private fintech have already solved this problem at a cost that is so small, so why change the platform when the digital euro eventually arrives? Who wants to start with this question? Anybody can pick on it. I, I don't think this is comparable. Uh, by now, we all know that there are cryptocurrencies out there. By now, we all know that they are super volatile. Uh, one of the three uh, aspects of how to... Uh, in the past, in the history, there were all sorts of goods that could have been used as a currency. Yeah, we all know these cases in gulags where the a cigarette was a currency. Could be. Um, but one aspect of or these three aspects for, for an asset to be called a currency, it needs to be stable in the value, uh, it needs to be a unit of accounting, um, and it needs to enable uh, transactions. So yes, the private tokens enable transactions. Private tokens cannot and will not compete with uh, digital euro in terms of the stability. And that's, that's I think, the key. Uh, I have a follow-up on that. What if a private institution basically institutes a currency board backing their digital currency with real euro assets, for example? Actually, just uh, prepare for the next phase. Under Mika from 2025, this will be a possibility in the European Union. So everyone as a regulated institution can issue a euro-based stable coin. So you can, you can already experiment with this until the arrival of, of the digital euro. So just uh, back uh, to the original question. Uh, of course, uh, we, we cannot uh, foresee when and in exactly what form the digital euro will arrive because I think uh, we all refer to the fact that that central bank digital currencies are not uh, uniform, so they, they are uh, uh, different compared to what, what kind of needs they, they need to fulfill. So we haven't referred to the wholesale form of central bank digital currencies yet, which uh, seem to resolve a real problem that interbank, uh, interbank uh, trading, especially in a cross-border format, are highly inefficient now and untransparent and really expensive. And this is <clears throat> a real market failure where central bank digital currencies can offer a solution uh, for the future. So. Uh, uh, back to the digital euro as a, as a retail instrument. Uh, so as long as it can uh, fulfill real customer needs 
and as long as it's introduced uh, successfully uh, identifying the proper incentives both on the user side and most probably on the merchant side, it can be a success. So everyone wishes that after so much effort and cost, it, it, it would become a, a success. Uh, I think we, we have to wait for the closure of the legal procedure by, by the time when we will uh, exactly know how it will look like. Uh, except for those uh, dimensions that the ECB itself will decide on later on, like uh, the exact amount of these holding limits, uh, for example. So uh, we will see. At present, there is not so much difference from an ordinary bank account. And back to the safety, so actually the ECB itself supervises those banks who are issuing these cards. So if they are not safe, then <laughs> we should regard uh, something uh, uh, very special about this. I was comparing it to uh, cryptocurrencies. Okay, okay. But cryptocurrencies are not used for payment purposes. So the only, only way they can be considered is the store of value function, but neither the unit of account nor the the medium of exchange function. They, uh, even Elon Musk didn't uh, manage to set the uh, prices of Tesla in, in Bitcoin because of these failures. So I, I never heard of that the ECB is issuing the digital euro for fear of the Bitcoin. Dushan, please. Uh, the question. I'm really not afraid that the digital euro will be that, that bond. Uh, because it's not a sprint, it's, a, it's a more the marathon. It's, a, uh, it's going step by step. It's a, every decision is taken after a long and long discussions with the market participants, with the specialists. With, with, uh, we, we take in account different, uh, different opinions. Uh, I'm not cashing uh, that, uh, that uh, there are still some questions which are not uh, not resolved uh, absolutely yet. It's prepared. It's the high-level uh, description of the of the of the product of the instrument, but the rulebook is not finished yet. It will be finished in the next phase. Uh, there will be some investigations, some uh, pilot projects, and uh, we will of course wait wait for the for the uh, final legislation. Uh, what I said as an example, there are of course no uh, roses without thorns. Uh, everybody is uh, perhaps uh, at the central banks. We are happy with, the, with it. Uh, the, the end user, end users, they are perhaps uh, um, happy with with the proposal. The merchants, uh, I believe, uh, will be happy because it will be cheaper for them. But there are still some uh, important participants, which are the PSPs, the intermediaries, the. Uh, Providers of the payment services, mostly banks, and uh, in this in this uh, situation, I heard uh, heard a very good uh, very good sentence. We hope the project will be successful, but not too much, uh, <laughs> because because uh, the the commercial banks are our friends. Uh, it's the it's a tier two in the in the banking system. We can't replace the commercial banks with with digital euros. It's still uh, the first. The first uh, answer is the holding limits, 
but please taking account that 3,000 uh, euros, which is uh, just now the, the working uh, amount of the holding limit, uh, multiplied by uh, 350 million uh, citizens of the eurozones, it's 1 trillion euros. <laughs> it's, it's too much. And uh, um, we hope that uh, not uh, everyone will keep in, the, in his uh, digital wallet uh, 3,000 euros. Is here somebody who has in the in the wallet three thousand euros? Oh. <laughs> anyway, the statistics is excellent. One from fifty, it's good. Uh, we, we we perhaps will find some some uh, better better measure uh, how big the the holding limit is reasonable. The the three three thousand it's uh, simply the the, the uh, working working figure. Uh, the other question, once, once the commercial banks holds the account of the digital euro, it's not the liability of the commercial bank. It's the liability of, of uh, the central bank. That's correct, and that's one of the questions I have from the audience. But first I want uh, to give Vladimir a chance, and then the online panel. Very brief intermission. When I was on the uh, economic forum in Krynica, um, I was amazed when speaking about the, the fintech uh, environment in the Poland because most of these new startup ideas that were presented were presented not even by university students, by secondary school students. Brilliant ideas. So what I want to say, I'm, I'm sorry to say, we sitting here on the on the panel are a little bit. Uh, uh, our parents didn't trust banks, they only trusted the cash in the mattress. We believe that you can't do without a bank account. The thing is, by the time Digital Euro comes, the new generation, the 18-year-olds, our children, will say, why should I open a bank account when I can hold up to 3,000 euros in my mobile phone, in my, in my wallet, let's put it this way, and I can transact with that money directly, not using intermediaries, big corporations, uh, uh, and, and the banks. So in, in a way, it, it is part of the generation issue. Uh, even on the moderator, I think 3,000 euros is not that much money. I can't even buy a used car from another private individual with 3,000 euros. I will still need to be banked. Oh, oh, good, good point. I'm not saying the uh, the... the, the uh, banks will cease to exist. The banks as uh, inevitable uh, intermediaries for transacting will not be necessary. There, there still be big transactions. Uh, basically, what this will happen, we still remember times when the interbank transfer uh, between the countries took seven days and more. Now we wouldn't accept that. Now we accept three seconds with SEPA payments. Or 10, 10, 10 seconds. <laughs> so so, so we, we made a huge step. Uh, I, I remember when I was paying for my TOEFL test, the fee was $35. And in the bank, I paid overall like 57. The, the difference was the, was the transaction fee. We wouldn't accept that anymore. So um, what I'm saying is the banks will be there, but their role will simplify to what is the core of the banking which is selling confidence. You still, you will have, 
and the new generation will have much more money than 3,000 euros, and we want to deposit it somewhere, we'll want to buy security somewhere, and for that they will need the banks, and then the banks will be uh, the sellers, uh, the buyers of risk, issuing the loans. And then it's irrelevant whether those loans are in euros, dollars, digital euros, whatever. Okay, I give the word back to Dushan, but then I have to give the online panel a chance as well. Please, a quick reply now. Very shortly. Uh, we are speaking about the future. In uh, this phase of the project, will uh, long for two years. After that, it will be another decision of the governing council about moving to the next step, about the next phase. Where will we... Where will we, will we be in, in two years, in, in three years with technology and with the, with the demands, with the opinions of the, of the general public? It will be completely other world than, than now. We have to be always open and uh, we, we can't speak now about 3,000 euros uh, like uh, something, uh, who knows, in, in, in three years. Uh, what, I, what I did not finish with, with the previous, I would like to emphasize it. The, uh, the account with the banks in digital euros is not the liability of the bank. But should we not think about it like about some part of the obligatory reserves to, to make the life of the banks easier? Commercial banks, I think. That, that, that's the question for, the, for the, one of the questions of the next months. That's a very good statement, yes. And the online panel, anybody wants to comment on this question? Yes, maybe Peter, I, I, Jonas. I, I quickly, quickly start and again short. So I think um, there are potential risks that the digital euro could be kind of dead upon arrival. But again, coming back, that the value propositions are not, not super strong for the citizens. So that is just not used when it's live. And, and then, you know, the success is not as, as envisioned. But what I currently don't see uh, actually is, um, as I think also said and most of the previous panelists, is risk that some private initiatives take this um, over. Because what Aniko also said was that in the end, the digital euro, it's about a, a market failure. And what the central bank wants to achieve around resilience and um, strategic autonomy cannot, from my perspective, reached with a private solution. So there are, you know, use cases for private solutions for stable coins, maybe when it comes to cross-border payments, when it comes to machine-to-machine -machine payments, all that. So I think there are use cases, but I don't think that the euro will address this in the beginning at the core. So I think that this private sector, you know, competition from my side is not is not the main, you know, potential hurdle, but it's rather the you know, the, the benefits for the citizen. Thank you, Jonas. Peter, you want to comment as well? Thank you, yes. Uh, thank you. Just uh, also from my side, very uh, quickly, two points. Uh, firstly, currencies uh, are about trust. So therefore, uh, general public uh, needs to be with us. And therefore, I am very much of the view that transparent, uh, transparent, uh, process uh, is in this uh, regards needed and also should we come to the point when there will be a decision about launching uh, the digital euro. I may imagine that there will be a gradual, let's say, uh, approach and uh, there may be uh, some, uh, some, phases, some phases in introduction uh, digital euro. Secondly, on, on holding limits, uh, uh, I think there is a uh, full agreement that uh, we should preserve the role 
of the commercial bank and uh, banks and the two-tier uh, system which we have. On the other hand, we need to balance it with the attractiveness of the digital euro. So I don't think this is only uh, only a technical uh, uh, decision or uh, that this will be only the decision of our central bank. And I may imagine this will be part of our uh, political discussion and maybe also included in the regulation, which is uh, currently under our negotiations. Thank you, Jonas. Peter, sorry, my mistake. Thank you very much, Peter. Uh, I will give the first question from the audience now, because it's very related. I know that digital euro do not want to replace savings, but even if people move their liquid money to somewhere, banks will miss it, because they need the liquidity. If banks miss the liquidity, they will have a problem to provide loans, and loans become more expensive. So that is something we have to watch out for. So just to start, that's true. So actually right now, uh, banking business has a very special character that uh, banks are using uh, uh, people's money on the current account, uh, let's say free of charge, or at least in Hungary, they pay literally no interest on, on, on the money held at, uh, at the current account. And uh, that's a really uh, a special business uh, model that uh, might change uh, either because of the introduction of the central bank digital currencies and part of this uh, liquidity will move into central bank managed account or because people became aware that they are losing uh, this uh, interest uh, if they are just uh, parking their money on these current accounts and they will invest it in, in some form, maybe at fintechs, maybe uh, at other banks. So uh, I, I wouldn't uh, urge banks to relax and, uh, and uh, act as before, but they, they have to work uh, for, for the attraction of the customers. Uh, this is just a question, probably based on my lack of knowledge, but couldn't theoretically a customer deposit their digital euros in commercial banks and earn a small interest on them? No. 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 Digital euro will never be a programmable money and will not bear any interest. Definitely not. It's, it's, uh, it's too dangerous and it was decided once forever, it will be not programmable money. It will not uh, um, prohibit you from using it for, some, for what you want, uh, except AML reasons, of course, like, like today. But uh, it will not be interest, it will be not programmable, never. It's, it's other form of, of the banknote. With, with the banknotes, you will not earn any, any interest, of course. Uh, it's other form, simply. It's the digital form of the banknote. No interest, no restriction, except uh, AML reasons, and um, that's it. Um, the, the, the limit, 3,000. <laughs> that's just, one of the questions we have here. Uh, yes, uh, as, as I said, I, I'm a former commercial banker and I uh, feel it very, very uh, sensitively. It's, it's a world which is much, much used now. Anyway, I, 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 I think I, uh, I know about it. Uh, I know the problematic. Um, com 
understand, understand the, the problematic. Uh, 3,000 euros uh, multiplied by uh, number of, of, the, of, the, of the current accounts, it's uh, something which is significant for the commercial bank, really is, and uh, we, we have, to, have to think uh, either of the limit, but it will not solve the problem definitely, either of uh, how we can uh, be just, because it's a little bit about the justice. Uh, when the commercial bank holds the, the banknotes, in fact, it's not liability of the commercial bank. It's really uh, some part of the obligatory reserves. It really is. And which part? Uh, because uh, when, when, you, when you withdraw uh, from your banking account uh, 1,000 euros and you return back 500, uh, which part of, of, of uh, these euros is still with the bank, this uh, 500 in, in general, during the month? We, we will see uh, how much of the virtual wallets, of the wallet with digital euros, has the minimum, uh, minimum uh, amount. And that can be counted like something stable. That can be counted like uh, part of, uh, perhaps, a part of obligatory reserves. And I'm sure that will help the commercial banks. Of course, not 100%, uh, but it will help. We understand that the commercial banks need the deposits for offering the, 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 the loans. It's, it's clear. But, uh, but uh, as well, the, the citizens have the right to withdraw the... the money from the account in the bank. Like now, they can withdraw the, the physical banknotes. In the future, they will withdraw in the, in the virtual wallet like a, like a digital euro. Well, but uh, we, we have to make it not uh, without limits. Because, of course, the, the, the money of the central bank is uh, legal tender. It's much more safe. We can't replace uh, the commercial banks <laughs> with, with accounts with the central bank. It's not intended like that. Never will be. Okay, last comment on the question, Vladimir. Even in 2023, you have people who want to do their transactions without banks in cash. Even in 2023, you have people who believe that the only safety is cash in the mattress. They are just... <laughs> um, there are such cases. I, 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 heard, I heard a case about the, the pensioner lady who really was stacking all, all her uh, assets in, 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 into the matters. Just these people are dying out. So back to your question, we need to think about the adoption of uh, uh, digital euro partly really as a generational change. So exactly when uh, there, was, there was a generation, when, when payment cards were introduced, there would be a generation that would never ever touch the thing. And then, then there was a generation who can't really imagine living without, without a, a, a payment card. So the way how I imagine adoption of the digital euro is that it will be partly a generational change. Uh, partly because, uh, again, these crypto assets, the kids, before they are allowed to open a bank account, they can online play with all these digital assets, and they are, they are conversant in holding some sort of a token in their uh, crypto wallet. So then when they come of a legal age, they, they will very automatically will consider like, why should I carry the, the banknotes 
or the plastic cards when I can carry uh, official legal tender in the form to which I'm already used from playing the online games, etc., etc. Yes, that's clear. Uh, now I have another question from the audience. Did a euro do not want to replace current payment systems? But for me as a consumer, the current system is comfortable with instant payments. So what's the motivation of using it? And here I would like also to add, in many countries, there are phone apps where you can send pay money between private people easily, instantly, which are connected to your bank account, however. So many users probably will not even see the difference if they're paying with digital euros, or they're just paying with an app on their phone that is connected to their bank account, which, which, which will have much higher transaction limits for that matter. So what is the motivation for the usage? So actually just referring back to your previous points, for the digital euro, you will do need a bank account, and there would be a, a funding and defunding process, procedure. So this uh, possible 3,000 uh, uh, euros limit will, will not be a hard limit. So if, if you want to buy a car, you can just start proceeding with central bank digital currency and then uh, the, the amount above the 3,000 will be withdrawn from the, your ordinary bank account. So actually there is not so much uh, visible difference compared to the current case when you do need... Uh, exactly, so uh, where is the motivation? <laughs> so uh, probably the, the main difference would be, as we have heard before, that, uh, that uh, since the digital euro will be a legal tender, uh, throughout the Eurozone, uh, everyone will have to accept it. So this is another question, how, to, how the ECB will enforce this, that every shopkeeper at every corner will be accepting digital euro, but that's the other operative uh, question. Aniko, that's a very good point, because the payment systems I described a minute ago, they are national and they don't work across national borders in the European Union, while a digital euro would be universal within the whole eurozone and maybe in some affiliated countries also outside the eurozone, I could imagine. So actually the main advantages uh, would be that, uh, uh, that uh, there won't be, uh, let's say, world gardens in the form of uh, specific uh, payment providers who who do have the ecosystem, but no, uh, uh, no uh, interchange between the other ecosystems. So it will be a unified, uh, unified uh, payment area, which uh, on the other hand is already, uh, let's say, um, prepared uh, with the instant payment initiative in the Eurozone anyway. But uh, we, we will see uh, which form will become more successful. I would like to continue with the audience questions. Who would benefit most from CBDCs? And I do not think it should be the central banks, as they don't thrive for profit, but for the stability of the currency. Okay, Dushan. Who will, who will profit the most from digital euro? I don't know. 
In, in, what about the merchants not having to pay the credit card in, fees? In, in three years, uh, the, the um, environment will be different. I, I'm, I strongly believe, I'm sure that uh, the merchants will, will have uh, better conditions. I strongly believe that the citizens, uh, the end users will have better conditions. Uh, I'm sure that the IT companies will, will uh, produce uh, better and better solutions for for the intermediaries, for PSPs. Um, I, I hope everybody will profit from that. And uh, uh, I return to the previous question that uh, I heard that uh, uh, people are satisfied with instant payments. I like to hear it. And uh, uh, we will not replace it. Uh, instant payments will be used for uh, settle the, the transactions with di digital euros. We, we, we would like, uh, we would like, we will. We will use as much the existing infrastructure as possible. That's, uh, and uh, the euro system will keep the costs about, uh, for, for the transactions, for, uh, for uh, using. Uh, just one quick follow-up on this question tips, before tips, uh, Vladimir. Will, will remain. How could banks stay competitive against the free use of digital euros? I'll just help uh, Mr. Yurchak adding this. Uh, who will benefit is a little bit uh, deceiving question. Um, ten years ago, or I don't remember exactly, we took it as given that when you make a payment transaction, you need to have a piece of plastic, you need to have a pin, and you need to enter the pin. Nowadays, we take it as granted that you actually go cash, uh, contactless, and nobody even think about it. Uh, I remember when contactless payments were introduced, there was a big havoc in the banking sector, like, how can you trust it will be safe? Could it be misused, etc., etc.? So the way I, I, I view digital euro as is as part of this uh, trans, uh, this technological transformation. And Mr. Uchak made it a good point uh, that really we, we we maybe can dream about what technology will look like in three five years when this become uh, possibly reality. To your question, the banks have been on the beaten side of the technology when it comes to payments for long. So as, as, as I have mentioned, you know, charging $57 for 35 TOEFL fee is no longer, but that, that, was, that was the reality back, back, back in the past century, let's put it this way. Uh, so, and, and again, the transaction part of the banking is shrinking and will be shrinking. Um, the most vivid example, uh, Anikon, um, Mr. Yurchak will remember that, uh, interbank transactions, the, 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 the spreads that they were there, bid-ask spreads. Now this is being done by the robots at very tiny margins. Uh, we couldn't even imagine that that would be possible uh, back in the past century. What will remain with the banks, and there the banks will be irreplaceable is this core business. Selling confidence. So selling confidence to the consumer, you can deposit your assets with us and we will take good care of those assets, better than in the mattress. Even though they, there are still really still people who trust mattress better, uh, it's just our generation. And the second part of the banking is this buying of risk that yes, I assess you as creditworthy 
to receive a leasing for your uh, car, a mortgage for your house, uh, etc. Aniko, please. Yes, yeah, so just uh, who will benefit? Uh, you, you, will, you, will, you cannot uh, predict actually, but uh, uh, we, we will watch and see because it will be a real, uh, really exciting experiment with uh, 325 million uh, people in the Eurozone. So in Hungary, we have taken a different approach. We have a couple of thousand real users where we can experiment freely with our system. We have developed the whole process, the whole accounting at the, at the central bank. We even have a line in the balance sheet of the central bank for CBDC. We have the whole whole ISO 222 standards used for, for the transactions. It is interconnected to our instant payment system and, uh, and it uh, teaches uh, us a lot how to deal with uh, customer needs, how to deal with customer complaints, how to uh, uh, give a really convenient uh, AML KYC process so that to, to uh, provide the platform for, for our users and we are already giving uh, CBDC to, to the future users of payment services and we are not uh, competing really with the banks because this age group is below that uh, age group that banks uh, uh, targeting based on profitability reasons. So we, we do believe this is a win-win situation right now. And just uh, one fact that in India, there, there is also a CBDC project where the central bank uh, placed a pricing cap what the, the payment providers can charge for, for their users. And this resulted in underinvestment in cybersecurity by the market uh, providers. And uh, people don't really trust the CBDC ecosystem. And they uh, only pay for their cafes or for their lunches with, with the CBDC. But uh, they remain with the private solutions with proper uh, uh, security standards. Uh, we have less than five minutes left, and I have one more important question from the audience, and then you can give your final remarks, please. That's a question of privacy. What is your take on the opinion that CBDCs may give governments unrestricted control over finances of individuals, thus creating a total totalitarian environment? I can start with a very short answer, which I like to use on that topic, because the topic of the privacy and the, the digital um, payments is full of myths. Even if you use this uh, bulletproof cash solutions, yeah, nah, please take into account that every single of your banknote has a unique uh, uh, ID number. If you believe that your cash transaction is untraceable. Good luck with that. And uh, uh, going uh, further on this road, so under the current uh, 
card-based payment schemes, your bank and your car, card issuer knows where you are, what are you buying, who is surrounded by you. So uh, why, why people would trust the central bank less compared to MasterCard and Visa? By the way, MasterCard is one of the biggest sellers of data to the US government, just as an example. This question of privacy, it's uh, always uh, one of the first questions and it was one of the first answers of every governor of the last uh, governing council. Uh, we strongly uh, promised that the privacy is one of the most important thing in, in, in the project of digital Europe. Uh, really, uh, Eurosystem is not caring about selling the data. Uh, really, we, we do not need uh, to know uh, what, what did, you, did you buy for 10, 10 euros or, or 2 euros in, in the uh, cafe house. Uh, anyway, everything which is done uh, online, everything, uh, everything which is paid online uh, is uh, submitted to AML standards and uh, it is even so just now. Everything what you take out for your digital wallet and everything you pay offline is the same like with cash. Uh, simply after several transactions, your PSP provider, PSP, will see that your, your uh, balance changed. That's all. Like, when, uh, like uh, it, it will be the same like when you, when you withdraw the, the physical cash from the account and uh, after you deposit the rest of the cash on your, on your, on your account. The privacy will be, uh, will be as, as uh, high as possible with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, instruments and with uh, things like, like, uh, like phones and uh, nothing less, nothing more. But nobody cares about the, the offline transactions. Okay, we're running out of time here, and I would like to give the online panel a chance, maximum one minute each, to give your final remarks on the digital euro, central bank backed. Good. Uh, final remark for one, one minute. Uh... For the online participants who have not uh, been with us for a while here. Yeah, maybe maybe I just just start and be uh, be quick. So I think it's again it's very important to talk about these topics as conferences uh, like today because I think it really concerns everybody from every sector because it will be legal tender, so it will be in all of our lives. So I think it's great that you have this so prominently placed at this event. I also think that it needs discussions with all the stakeholders, as I mentioned. There are um, really needs strong strong value propositions also on the privacy side because this is like I think not it's definitely not a technological topic it's a political topic right how much privacy you want to enable and how much you don't want to enable so I think this should be at the core as well and I'm um, yeah really hope that also around the digital euro this this privacy the threshold for more private payments the offline ones we heard about that the limit will be rather high um, so that people can also you know make use of that in their daily lives and not just you know for paying a coffee for uh, five euros thank you very much thank you Jonas. thank you peter thank you uh on uh briefly on on privacy just one point that uh privacy is uh 
not uh, anonymity. And uh, this is uh, what should be also considered uh, when we are speaking about it. And I see the privacy as an advantage uh, for the digital Europe, because it was already mentioned uh, and, uh, and uh, the intention is uh, to have a better solution for the digital euro compared to other private uh, solutions. Uh, I would like to come back also to, to the previous uh, point on the benefits. Uh, uh, and I would like to add, uh, add uh, one more and uh, that's the digital euro could be also a catalyst uh, for innovation in Europe or in, at least in Eurozone. Uh, where unfortunately Europe is so far lagging uh, behind uh, uh, other countries, especially US and China. And, and to end, uh, and I recall also Jonas' point, digital euro is a, also a political project. So I think full and transparent and democratic process is needed around it including all the consultation and etc. Thank you, Peter. We have to round off this first panel discussion right now. And we didn't have time to take all the questions from the audience. I recommend you try to meet up with the panel members at the coffee tables in the break and talk to them directly. A big thank you to our panel members. 